Bonsoir podcast. All right, what the hell? Are you ready or what? This is Squat Cobbler. I'm Kelly Tool at K E L L Y T H U L on both Twitter and Instagram. And with me, as always, is Mike. I am at Official Pagan on everything. And we are continuing our prisoner exchange. And tonight we are talking about a live album. Ian Hunter, welcome to the club. And my intro to the podcast is a lame representation to the uh, intro to this live album. So to give you a little bit of context on that, I'm sherping Mike to begin with any top line reactions to welcome to the club. As with a couple of artists that you brought up here, uh, like Captain Beefheart, I had sort of a vague notion of who he is and knew a couple of the songs which are included on this because it is a live album. So you're going to hear, you know, some of the better known and more popular songs on here. But overall, didn't necessarily know what I was getting into. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And Squatty's out there. Kelly had to do a lot of work <laughs> for this particular prisoner exchange because. I'm going to be crushed if Mike didn't enjoy this album. I really enjoyed this album quite a bit. But as I went, a lot of times what we do is we try and find a YouTube option to let each other listen to the music. And I found one, and I was about to send that to Mike. But as I went through it, it was actually this combination. It was all the songs that were on Welcome to the Club, but they had kind of gone away from the actual live recording and picked, oh, here's a video and here's something from Sweden and here's this and that. And it just wasn't right because I wanted him to hear what I heard when somehow I bought the cassette tape of Welcome to the Club and listened to the darn thing till it, it wore out. And so I eventually had to build my own playlist <laughs> on on YouTube of the actual tracks from this because they all kind of flow together really nice. And then I sent that to Mike so that he could experience Welcome to the Club as Kelly experienced Welcome to the Club originally. And so it was a little more work than I intended. Um, I think we will in the blog post in, include my playlist link. So if you wanted to hear this album accurately, you can do that because there's another one out there, but it doesn't really capture welcome to the club as well as my playlist in my opinion so there's that so album art reaction going off of the album art that's on the playlist that you sent me is that the album art that you had originally seen yes okay because when i was looking it up to try and do a little bit of research afterwards i found that this was reissued a couple times i guess and there's a few different covers yeah um, that that scene that was the, the one i got okay um, so going off of the album art from the playlist that Kelly had sent me, I like it. it it's a it's a good picture, you know, clear font and everything. It's it's very straightforward, and I I like it. It's a good striking image. It's something that would have grabbed my attention. I would have been interested in what this was. Very very cool. So I think we will just because of my breakneck speed and going through albums, we'll just dive right into it. Plows right through way too fast, I would say. Way too fast. So we start off with FBI, which is an instrumental. And I knew of Ian Hunter, I knew of Mata Hoople, and I came across, hey, look, I can pick up, you know, welcome to the club. And so I grabbed grabbed this cassette and listened to it. And it starts off. So this is a live show and it opens up with an instrumental called FBI. This is a cover. Mick Ronston is the guitarist that's featured heavily throughout this album. And mixed very, very talented. And you get that very much in this song. And it, it just is a tremendous way to me to start off. We're going to have a good time tonight. Your thoughts? 
I thought it was a really fun song. Um, so did not initially know that it was a cover. I do now. But like I said, going into this, there was a few titles that I recognized right off the bat. I vaguely knew who Ian Hunter was. I, I know a little bit of Matha Hoople, uh, but again, nev- never like deep dive into anything. So a lot of this was going to be new to me. So I didn't know that this was a cover, but my note on it is great way to kick off a show. Like I could see going into a show if this was the first song and open with an instrumental and a fun instrumental that, you know, features the guitar really well, as you mentioned, this is a great way to just kind of kick off a show and set a good energy level for what's going to come after it. So the show opens up, you get this great instrumental to begin with, you're rocking and rolling. And then Ian walks up to the microphone and goes, hello, 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 hello. And goes right into once bitten twice shy, which is one of his more popular songs. Great, great song. It's a classic, very, very well executed. You get this great instrumental started off and they roll right into a really powerful song. So I'm super happy at this point. So this is one of the songs that I knew. Kelly and I have mentioned this a few times that songs that are familiar, whether you like them or not, especially we'd mentioned this in conjunction with our Alice reviews. A lot of times you get a better appreciation for a song when you hear a live recording of it and hear it in that environment. And I liked this song before, but it was definitely elevated by hearing the sort of live energy of it. This is this is an Alice moment for me right off the bat. Yeah, it's that kind of fistful of Alice where it elevates the song quite a bit. And then we move into Angeline, another Ian Hunter song. Almost a very Graham Parkery harmonica to this. Uh, this is a uh, another kind of driving song. Not not particularly well known, but you know you go FBI. Really, really strong, once bitten, twice shy, very, very strong. And Angeline doesn't let up at all. It continues to build to say, man, I'm really, really enjoying this album. So I think Angeline is flows, you know, you're coming off of once bitten, twice shy. So you got a big shoes to fill. Does a nice job, in my opinion. Yeah, really strong song. So you had mentioned, you know, not as well known of a song. Other than sort of the hits off of it, a lot of this I'm not really familiar with, so I don't have that appreciation for it. I did make a note about the harmonica, though. Are you a harmonica fan? I am. Done right. Yeah, I, I like harmonica stuff. So my I have a weird harmonica story where I bought a harmonica at a store a couple hours away from where I live. I don't drive, for anyone who doesn't know, so I, I'm always the passenger being taken places. And uh, I bought a harmonica at a store and decided I had never played harmonica before and decided that the two hour ride home was the best time to start learning to play harmonica. This was not feelings shared by the other people in the car. So whenever I hear harmonica in something, that's what I remember. So it kind of brought up that memory for me. Speaking of things that people may not be super excited about. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh at me, another cover, kind of a surprising next edition <laughs> to this is not the song you'd expect to see show up. Laugh at me as a song I wasn't necessarily in love with in the original incarnation, but Ian takes it to the next level. And there's a significant improvement for me. And I actually thought, wow, okay, that's cool. I actually enjoyed this quite a bit. And he, in my opinion, he made this a better song. Absolutely made it a better song. Uh, when I first went through this album, I didn't initially place where it had come from, but I, I knew... I had heard it before in some fashion and thought that maybe it was a cover. It didn't initially ring a bell until I I read through the credits and saw those written by Sonny Bono. Definitely an improvement over the original for me as well. Yeah, an interesting surprise. And then we move into A Long Way to Memphis. Uh, Big, strong piano intro to this. 
it almost has a clash-like chorus to it, kind of the London Calling clash kind of feel to it. So kind of that punk slash new wave vibe when they're kind of going it's a long, long way and kind of driving through there. So it, this kind of ends the first, this is a double album set, ends the first side of it as well. Very strong. Uh, another really powerful song. Again, very enjoyable to me. Yeah, I, I really like it starts off as, you know, with the the keys and stuff. It's like a classic rock sort of song in the beginning, but then builds up energy to more of a clash type thing, like Kelly said. And I just like the build up of energy for it. It, it makes it a really uh, interesting song for me. I really liked it. So kids, when there were vinyl available, we went to side two. I wish I was your mother, which is an interesting song title <laughs> to begin with. Again, we got some major harmonica representation through there. It's a ballad. And one of the, actually, in my opinion, the strongest vocals on this whole album. Ian, Ian Hunter's a great composer, guitarist, and singer. But I think his vocals on this were, were some of the strongest on the whole album. Yeah, the vocals on this really stood out to me. And overall, I felt like the song had, and you might disagree with this, but I, I thought it had almost a little bit of like a Dylan-esque vibe to it. I wouldn't disagree with that. He's very eclectic in terms of, I think, influences and unique. And he has a unique kind of Ian Hunter kind of thing as well. Part of the reason I created the playlist for Mike <laughs> to totally appreciate the kind of connectivity through the whole live show is we go into Irene Wilde as the next song. And what you get at the tail end of I Wish You Was Your Mother was, so a lot of people ask me if this is a real song. This is about a real story. They say, Ian, and then they cut into the song, which is kind of super cool. And Irene Wilde is actually based on a true story, I think, a little bit. This is interesting because this is a live show, and there is clearly <laughs> one woman in this audience. <laughs> that this is, is a, what my notes are about. <laughs> she is a tremendous fan of I'm going to be somebody someday and she makes it clear <laughs> that you you can totally hear this her hear her throughout the whole thing it's storytelling it builds and this incredibly passionate woman <laughs> in the crowd kind of just adds to it for me so it's based on a true story on ian eventually wanting to be somebody someday and impress whether her name was i uh, you know irene wilde or not whatever but the lady in the crowd she's all in <laughs> That woman in the crowd really, really, really makes this song. So, like I said in the beginning, you know, I, I know some of these songs. I know some of a little bit sort of vague stuff about him going in. Not familiar with the song prior to listening to it. So when I heard this woman going insane during a, a somewhat stripped down quiet song, there's this one woman just screaming at parts of the song in it, which is great. And one of those cool things that you get with a live record. So I was wondering, is this a really popular song or is this just that woman's favorite song? Like, I I didn't know. Like, was this a hit for him or is she just losing her shit because this is her favorite song? I think it's a little bit more of the latter. <laughs> that, that when you hear the huge reaction to the song, it's one person. Yeah, I mean, it was a popular song, but I think... Obviously, for her, incredibly popular. It made me think of, um, and again, you know, Kelly and I hate mentioning things that we're involved in in any way, but we had this video that we put up on Amazon that went number one, you know, whatever. There is a moment in there with our friends in Psychotica where Pat goes out in the audience and he, he's passing the microphone in front of audience members to sing along. And there's a woman who very passionately, 
<laughs> joins in on a song. And that sort of made me, I was like, that would be that woman if she was at that show. <laughs> just going insane. When you hear this, and we'll, we'll put the playlist out for you, you you're going to hear someone who's very excited <laughs> for Irene Wilde. So then we move into Just Another Night, very rockin' song. Huge amounts of crowd participation on this. So this is that kind of quasi-Freddie Mercury, bring the crowd into it. Uh, this is a really, really strong song. Ian's a great songwriter, and this is super powerful. It's a really fun, fun, fun song, and you can kind of tell the whole crowd. Even the young lady who's super excited about Irene Wilde, I'm sure, was singing along. But you get actually more people joining her as well. I really like particularly, too, in this song, the way the guitar and keys play off of each other. It is a really, really strong song. I mean, multiple levels lyrically, uh, just in terms of pulling people in. Anthemic, very, very cool as well. Oh, I, definitely an anthemic song. You can definitely hear that this is a popular song. And, you know, for me, from a musical standpoint, just we've mentioned this before. I, I do seem to sort of nitpick on keys and songs, particularly in rock songs. And I just think they play off each other great in this. And it's, I think a lot of people could learn from that. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, so, you know, we're pretty deep in this stuff album set and it's like, boom, 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 all really, really good stuff. And it, can, it keeps continuing. So we, now we move into Cleveland Rocks, disappointingly, that I now need to refer to as the Drew Carey song. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> I was wondering if you're going to bring that up. It's like super sad. <laughs> that I was not going to bring it up. <laughs> You know, but this is a song that features all the little chicks with their crimson lips scream to Cleveland Rocks. Uh, another very anthemic song, I think slightly diminished by making it the Drew Carey theme song, but still a really, really great song. And again, well, to like, be fair, the Drew Carey version is a cover. Yeah. And so you need to listen to Ian doing it. It's a great song. It, so it is a really good song. Um, I had heard the song before. And then was bombarded with the cover when it came out. And I have a story for you about that that I can't tell on air, unfortunately. Later, <laughs> when it's just I, I, I'm going to view that as fortunately. <laughs> so. <laughs> but, you know, obviously it's a song I know. Obviously it's a popular song. Like, obviously it was a hit song. So it's cool to kind of hear the great energy of the audience. One of the things I particularly liked in this performance, though, is his voice is... You know, you can hear it's a little raw and a little worn in, in a couple parts of the song. And I actually really liked that. Again, you know, just like that woman going crazy. There are cool moments throughout this that remind you that this was recorded live in the best way. This is, you know, the kind of stuff that to me makes a live record stand out, capturing the experience of being at a show. And you really get that on some of the little moments that are throughout this. And when you hear his voice sound a little raw in some parts, but it doesn't diminish from the song in any way. It, ju it just gives you that feel of being there and experiencing a show. So I really, really like this performance. And we move to side three, Standing in My Light, which troubles me to a degree because this is what my dad used to tell me all the time. <laughs> it's like, hey, move away. You're standing in my light. So I had to kind of, process that away this is a ballad that builds it's less driving than a lot of stuff we've heard before but a really enjoyable song for me i actually really like there there's a long build up to it like you had mentioned and i actually kind of like that because after a really energetic performance with cleveland rocks pacing wise it, it was nice so the next song my favorite song on this entire album is bastard fun fact gang 
by the way, back in the days of snarkalic radio, <laughs> this was the term I used to refer to Mike on a regular basis. <laughs> I knew somehow <laughs> I was going to get referenced when we got to this track. So this is an incredible song. It's on You're Never Alone with the uh, Schizophrenic was where the uh, where Bastard was on originally. This is an amazing song. Favorite song on this album, without a doubt. Um, I will include, I'll try and find something that actually includes the lyrics. The lyrics on Bastard are just amazing. Just in, incredible from away. And it's just a great, great song. The music, the lyrics, and whatever. Bastard is incredibly strong. Starts out with Vestial, Virginia, and rolls on from there in an incredible way. Uh, this is, you know, to me, the 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 special moment of this album above all else. I really liked it. Definitely one of my favorites on the album. What's cool, too, is particularly on this track, the rhythm section really gets a chance to shine on this, and they take full advantage of that. It's it's really cool drum and bass work on this thing. Really great song. And then Bastard rolls into Walking with the Mountain slash Rock and Roll Queen, which is 90% Walking with the Mountain and 10% Rock and Roll Queen. It's driving some great guitar. Really, really fun song coming off of Bastard. I, I liked it. Good driving song. I was a little bit confused going into it because from the title, I assumed it was medley, but it's kind of on the short side. So you clarified that for me, that it's really, you know, an element of the second song put into essentially just the first song. And then we roll into all the young dudes. So for the folks not familiar with Ian Hunter, Ian Hunter was originally in a band called Mata Hoople. Mata Hoople had one tremendously successful song called All the Young Dudes which was written by David Bowie. And it's a very faithful recreation of all the young dudes. Yeah, I don't know if you call it a cover because I think Bowie actually wrote it for Amata Hoople. It's a classic and they executed it incredibly well. Yeah, it's, it's again, obviously a song that I knew going into this really popular, well-known song. Great execution of it. Again, you know, live environment really brings a different feel to it in some spots in a great way. Good energy to it. Just really great song. And then we kind of wrap up side three with Slaughter on 10th Avenue, which is an instrumental for the most part. And so Mick Ronson, we mentioned him earlier, tremendous guitarist, heavily featured in this song. And what I just found incredibly charming <laughs> was the song plays and there's cool stuff and it builds up and he's doing all kinds of cool things. And it gets kind of like right toward the very end. And he goes, yeah, I'm out of stuff. <laughs> you know, at this point, he actually says that. It's a good instrumental, demonstrates mixed tremendous talent and his kind of self-awareness to go, I'm done <laughs> from there. So I liked <laughs> I liked the way it ended. Yeah, I really, I loved the instrumental opening. So it was cool to get another instrumental in here. There's, there's a segment of it uh, sort of midway through the track that feels almost ambient to me. Yeah, a little bit. So that was kind of cool. Um, again, you know, didn't really know where it was going to go. Other than the most popular songs on here, I, I'm not super familiar with these tracks, so it was fun to listen to. And then we moved to side four. So side four is interesting. Because side four consists of three songs that were actually recorded quote-unquote live in a studio. And then the last song is actually back to a kind of full audience kind of participation. And so we got to get out of here which I originally thought might be a cover, but it's not. Uh, very almost new wavy. The lyrics and the, the, the power of We Gotta Get Out of Here come from the lyrics part of it. The, the chorus 
is doesn't kind of quite in my opinion match up to the power of the lyrics there's some interesting spoken word intros in there on that where where towards the tail end there's this lady talking about oh so we're gonna watch muhammad ali versus marlena dietrich which is i don't think something has ever occurred before in recorded music but it's a fun song uh it is live in the quote that the band's playing live but we're not in front of a crowd from there but it's a good song and the spoken word stuff towards the end i liked quite a bit yeah this this sort of threw me off so when we do these i try not to uh do any research in advance i want to listen to the album first and kind of get my own first impression of it and not be kind of colored by anything that not even so much anything that someone else says but my knowledge of it, like I want to go into it as clean slate as possible. So I didn't know that some of these were recorded in the studio, even if they're live in the studio. Uh, so I was kind of thrown off at the abrupt sort of shift. The audience is gone. The audio quality dramatically changes. So that that I like the song, but that kind of threw me off, not knowing that that was coming. Yeah, it was unanticipated. Silver Needles, which probably in the whole context of this whole album, probably my least favorite. Uh, I do like there's some very interesting things that, you know, I think apply to Squat Cobbler <laughs> that, you know, it's like you came up slow, but you burned out fast. Uh, so that's us. <laughs> you know, my opinion. I mean, it's a it's a solid song. It's enjoyable. But in the context of everything else that we listened to so far, not quite as strong. Uh, I pretty much agree with everything Kelly said. I would add, though, to me, and I don't know if Kelly hears this at all, but there's a little bit of like a Pink Floydish influence in this one. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the cool thing about Ian is that there's kind of like multiple sources that he drives from. But I could I could see the Floyd influence on that as well, which we're not gonna see <laughs> on the next song, Man of War, because I'm a bad mother, <laughs> you know, in Man of, Man of War, which is so. This is another kind of driving, driving, driving song on there. And calling back to our previous, back in the days of Squat Cobbler talking about recommendations recently, we talked a lot about Merman and Seaman and um, the Demon of the Seaman, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> you know, to me is a, a major repeated lyric throughout the song. So I'm a big fan of Man of War. See, I, while that's a great line, I wasn't going to bring that up because I try and keep things clean and classy around here. I appreciate that. <laughs> so I wouldn't bring up if there's something that's maybe potentially objectionable in the lyrics to one of our prisoner exchanges. Yeah, you're a noble man, Mike. I appreciate that. <laughs> I do what I can. Oh, I thought that was a great line. I, I think there's a lot of great lines in this. Uh, the one that really stuck out to me, and I'm not sure why that more than anything else, but uh, I believe it's if I could spit, I would spit on you. Yeah. I'm not sure Just, why that one in particular stuck out, but that line really stuck with me. Yeah, there's there's like tons of moments in this song, in this whole song. <laughs> this is um, a great song to kind of pull those little quips out of. Yeah, I totally wish this had been done in front of a full live audience because this would have kind of elevated it quite a bit. But the cool thing is, so we did the first three songs live, quote unquote, in the studio. But then we finally returned to the last song on this, which is Sons and Daughters, which we returned back to a full audience. It's a song about divorce and it's about I hope you can cope with the damage we've done. feels like a very heartfelt song. A really nice way to end the album. There's a lot of good stuff in this album, in my opinion, and it's a very cool way to end it. I really like this song. It was a really good way to end the album. It was 
again, a little bit jarring, though, to suddenly go back to the audience. That is more because I didn't know that this was going to happen. So my only, I guess, minor quibble with the album, which I really enjoyed, would be maybe sequence it so that this comes at the end of the live audience stuff and those other three tracks are more like bonus tracks at the end because I think it's not knowing going into it. It was like a little bit jarring to lose the audience and then suddenly have them back again. Yeah, I agree. I think that it would have been smarter to take this and pull it to the first first track on the last side of the album, finish all the live stuff, and then go to these last three studio slash live things. Mike and I continue to (laughs) be in a good position that our prisoner exchanges are liked by both. Next up, when we get together, we're going to be talking about live albums. That should be a super fun show. Any final comments on Welcome to the Club, Mike? No, really enjoyed it so far for me. There hasn't been one yet that has put me off. So I'm sure it's going to come, though. It could happen. Broadcast.